right, we're glad you could join us for episode 136 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our analysis of James Cameron's cyberpunk thriller, Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba, Michael Weatherly, and Ashley Scott. And, hey, two weeks in a row for Dark Angel. I know. Look at us, huh? Uh, I know. And then, then actually, it might even be three weeks in a row. Uh, Obviously, we mentioned last time that Lost Girls on the Horizon, but, uh, you know, I guess you and I have to sit down with the calendar and figure out what's what but i think yeah, we'll, we'll be doing three in a row for sure yeah we'll see so, we'll keep going till we go we go till we go right <laughs> well tonight we're here to discuss episode 13 of season two titled harbor lights but before we get to that wayne and i want to remind you we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab you can record your own audio clip and send the mp3 as an attachment or just send us a tweet at sci-fi tv rewatch as many of you have been doing we'd encourage you as always to consider joining the facebook group and join the discussions there the title harbor lights we'll get to that in a second you were just looking up because obviously living in the baltimore area harbor lights is something that uh, we've certainly heard although we both had to kind of regroup and look it up for a second yeah well you know the first thing that comes up like here uh, just typing the Harbor Lights is the Harbor Lights Tanning Studio. So you're welcome for your free uh, promotion there, Harbor Lights. I was like, oh, yeah, the Harbor Lights Festival, right? Every year they have big Christmas lights festivals down the uh, Inner Harbor in Baltimore, yeah? Exactly, yeah. It's not, not how I've ever not, been. Right, I haven't either. But <laughs> but it's very popular around here. Right. And, and, of, uh, and of the two of us, you'd be much more likely to go than I. <laughs> yeah, true. But, uh, yeah, but, I've never been. So maybe some year I could go. Yeah. Well, you know, there is some news in sci-fi fandom, but you know what? We, we've got some email and some listener feedback that I want to get to. So we'll, we'll deal with the sci-fi news next week because we've got some good stuff tonight. Gabby G, who, who certainly keeps in touch with us a lot, says, great podcast. You can find hints to Asha's backstory in the Eyes Only dossier written by D.A. Stern, which, uh, you know, she sent me a link. and They appear to be novelizations that are available, I'm sure, at other places besides Amazon. But I guess that's a backhanded way of telling us that we're not going to get Asha's backstory in the show. (laughs) So maybe. And I've never really, for any show that I watch, I guess I've never really gotten into reading any of the novelizations look in the doctor who world that stuff is huge yeah there's a lot in the doctor who world for sure and, and i don't know about you i've never read or listened to any of it uh no i, I haven't although uh, you know listening to the now defunct doctor who podcast they're always talking about the big finish productions and um so there are times i've come close to saying maybe someday i'll actually you know purchase a big finish but yeah, you know, i've never actually gotten around to it radio free scaro dude yeah yeah, yeah, well, talk, yeah, yeah, I like them yeah, too. Yeah, they'll talk about it. Uh, Scarlett sent us a link and a message about Jensen Ackles, re his piano playing, and just some you know general supernatural. Uh, I love Jensen Ackles kind of stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which was cool. Yeah, uh, and then Kimmy sent us in a, 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 an email, and she says, "Borrowed time, which is what we talked about last week, is one of my favorite episodes. The moment we Lomax shippers have been waiting for the whole season." It's got funny and sad scenes. It's just great, so I can't wait for the next podcast. Also, according to fan theory, this episode could explain the title of a previous one, 209, Medium is the Message. The title could refer, as you mentioned, to the philosopher Marshall McLuhan 
and the episode Rita gives a magazine to Alec with an article about Joshua's painting, Medium Truly Is the Message, but it could be linked to the virus too. In episode 212, Max figures out a temporary antidote based on the scientist's notes that she got in episode 203 and said that she wouldn't have found it if Joshua didn't paint over her paper. So Joshua's painting kind of served as a message of hope for Max and Logan. And and we we kind of talked a little bit about that as well. And, and I really love that about the episode. And finally, it's funny to see how translation adapts according to the countries. There's a cultural reference where the lab guy says, you know, with a little Chuck Heston thrown in there, take that, you damn dirty virus. But in the French version, they changed Chuck Heston to Terminator. And it happens a couple of times, like later when Alec and Max talk about the Star Wars 7, nice prediction, by the way, (laughs) when Alec asks, is that the one where Captain Kirk dies? In the French version, it's replaced by Luke Skywalker. So originally, he's wrong confusing Star Wars and Star Trek, but in other languages, he's right. Wow. So that's oh, that's crazy. That is crazy. I had no idea. <laughs> Not that. You know what's be... crazier is they would think of killing off Luke Skywalker. Well, I guess. All right. I'm, I guess I should stop. Spoilers. That. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I came really close there, but you know, I'm I'm feeling like this is a point now. I mean, where do we get to a point where we can actually talk about what happens in the Force Awakens? Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'll give I, it a couple. I'll give it like at least another week. Yeah. So if you I, haven't watched it yet, you better go now because I'm going to okay. start dropping spoilers soon. I came I very close. You don't even know how close I came. Unless you've seen it, then you know how close I came. That's right. All right. And then one other email, and I apologize, Kirsten, because, you know, I got it, and I'm not sure how it slipped by, so we should have addressed it last time. But the points are all incredibly valid, so let's let's take a look. And this is a long one, but it's filled with great stuff. That's a quality email. I found you guys by chance while browsing a heated debate over on Dark Angels IMDb forum. I'm relatively new to the fandom, which is frustrating because most of the really good Dark Angel discussions are threads that were posted nine plus years ago, so you can imagine my excitement in finding your podcast. I'm finally caught up, and I wanted to let you know that it's been a pleasure to listen to you. I can't wait for the next installment. Now, I agree with a lot of your observations, and it was nice to be reminded of how confusing the breeding program was when it was first introduced and all the confusion concerning the different X series, and this is this next thing I love. When it was first introduced, there were the X6s, the X7s, X8s. I was incensed that our protagonist was an old model and that better ones existed. What a crock. (laughs) I mean, the X7s are clearly different. They seem to totally lack independence, which I think is why they were assigned to guard duty and also why they continued following orders after Manticore was cauterized. The X6s and X8s are more ambiguous. On the Dark Angel wiki, it says that X6s are less independent in response to the O9 or escape, and you guys mentioned that they are the soldier class meant to serve under X5 leadership, but I can't for the life of me remember when we're given that information, so I'll take your word for it until I can dig it up myself. You know, I, I think we just infer that, right? I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't recall that, actually, because when she, I, I read them, like, uh, I'm not sure where we got that from either. Yeah, I, I think that's just something that we, as you said, we just figured that must be what happened. I think we also mentioned that maybe the the preceding, not the preceding, the following uh, X classes um, would be more like they would take away some of the individuality because of what happened with the group that got away, right? Well, sure. And, and I don't necessarily think that the higher the number means that they're better and, and that the X5s are inferior to the 6s, 7s, and 8s. 
because I think the way we came up with that inference is that we did get information, and I forget which episode, that the X-5s were bred to be leaders and that the others were bred to be followers. So put two and two together. So anyway. Anyway. I also loved reliving Alex's growth, and I'm glad you guys like the character as much as I do. He's really fun to watch and brings a lot of levity that nicely balances out sulky savior over there. (laughs) I'm looking at you, Max. (laughs) My only disagreement thus far is your take, especially Dave's, on the Max-Alec relationship. I think I'd just you like got- to say before you read this that I, I was happy w- when I saw this because I realized that it wasn't just me. Okay. I think you guys have got it all wrong. To be fair, I don't remember when in season two I switched from Max Logan to Max Alex, so maybe you're just not there yet, and obviously it's possible you might never get there. Not everyone does. However, it was and is the fan-preferred pairing, if three times the fan fiction means anything. So I'm crossing my fingers that at least one of you agrees with me by the end of the series. No hard feelings if you don't, though. So that's that's dangerously spoilerish, too. I don't know. Well, you know, whatever. That's okay. But (laughs) but but I mean, certainly, I'm the professed shipper of the two of us. And I am a huge Michael Weatherly fan. I mean, I was a Michael Weatherly fan from NCIS, you know, long before I discovered Dark Angels. So I'm certainly good if it's logan it's just like we keep saying we're getting tired of it dragging on and you know so we'll see yeah but yeah it is and it gets even older here right in this episode yeah so she says to facilitate that i'm going to plead my case as concisely as a devoted possibly obsessed fangirl could ever hope to be i I think we'd probably remove the possibly from that all right then she covers a few individual topics the brother sister thing I've seen this argument a lot, but I'm not sure why people claim that Max inclusively considers her Manticore alumni as brothers and sisters, when in actuality she only considers her original unit as such. She does feel a kinship towards all transgenics, but it's based primarily on guilt. She let them out knowing exactly how hard it would be for them to adapt. She's already done it. The fact that it was the right thing to do will not lessen their suffering. Um, You know, I'm not sure she really thought about how difficult it would be for them no no that was definitely impulse like just to save them at the moment you know get them out save their lives right Um, and and i think given that same choice again she might do the same thing again absolutely yeah no question about it you know even knowing what she knows now sure sure alec is ben's clone and that's a much stronger argument after all he was part of her unit but max hadn't seen ben in 10 years and their reunion was incredibly brief what was it, a few hours? She spends significantly more time with full-grown Alec, and they're completely different people. I think if she considered Alec her brother, she'd be a lot nicer to him based on how she treats the rest of her siblings. Well, never having had a sister, I can't really speak to that. So, uh, Regardless, the showrunners specifically brought Jensen Ackles back to be a love interest for Max, just as Asha was brought in to be a love interest for Logan. So they didn't perceive anything squicky or incestual now the chemistry when you guys referred to their plentiful chemistry as non-sexual i nearly died this topic is way more subjective so it's kind of hard to argue either way personally i think it's a textbook example of belligerent sexual tension very similar to the early dynamics of moonlighting and sam and diane on cheers 
All right. Those are great references there, by the way. Well, they were. And, and, you know, the whole thing about both of those shows, the big argument was that if you did let them consummate their love, that it would somehow ruin the show. And, you know, at the time, I think I bought into that reasoning, you know, in retrospect and and seeing what good writing is able to do. Yeah. Hogwash. Yeah. Well, you know, Cheers, I think, handled it much more adroitly. Um, Moonlighting once uh, Addie and what was Bruce Willis's character? Yeah, name? I can't remember. Oh, man, I can't believe I remembered Sybil Shepherd. I can't remember. I remember Sybil Shepherd at all. But, all I remember is John, somebody from Die Hard. But yeah, once they got together, the it was. I think it was just the show was kind of winding down as it was. Like I think the they they may have run out of ideas because once that they officially got together, I think the show ended pretty soon after that. But um, Cheers was able to effectively work through a season of their relationship, which was still tempestuous. And then they broke up and Shelley Long left the show and uh, and everything. And, uh, and then the show went on for a long time after that. So Cheers is definitely the probably the really the uh, the poster boy, I guess, for how to, you know, protract this type of sexual tension, relieve it. And then move on from that, you know. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, she goes on to say, I think Alec makes it pretty clear in some assembly required. He says, please tell me you're going to get naked to Max. In the strip club scene in Gill Girl, he looks her up and down and tells her she has a decent shot at getting picked. Not really brother-sister banter. And I guess I'd have to agree with her on that one. Yeah. Well, that second one could be just encouragement, you know. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Because he needed her to get in there. Right. Right. On Max's end, it's much more subtle. She holds a lot of resentment towards him. He was a true blue manticore soldier. He carried out orders to let Max infect eyes only with the virus. He entertained killing her in order to save his life. She had to kill Ben, but Alec got to live. So the way she knows it is by constantly hitting Alec and being harder on him than anyone else on the show. And at the end of the day, none of those things are Alec's fault. And deep down, she knows that. I already commented on Facebook, but I do think she was jealous in the Beresford agenda, although I don't think she realized it. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely think she was. Uh, and, and you know what? I, the more I think about that episode, that's, that, that is just such an awesome episode. Yeah, it really was very good, wasn't uh, it? Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, but, but that, and that's right. That's the one where this whole this this whole dispute came up, right? When we started talking about when I can contested that i think that there was something there that i thought she was a little bit jealous of him right mm-hmm. yeah okay uh, i think she finds alec attractive and i think that just pisses her off more manticore selected him as her breeding partner so any attraction she feels adds insult to injury and alec pays for that heaven forbid she ever concede to manticore's wishes the lady doth protest too much yeah. i'm yeah, not right. sh- nice, i'm nice not hamlet sh- reference there well yeah done. no question <laughs> I'm not sure Jensen Ackles can even have non-sexual chemistry. <laughs> uh, then yeah, I guess you well, like the picture I put up on the Facebook page. In the, uh, that, uh, I'm assuming that's why Wincest is a thing on Supernatural. He can't even have non-sexual chemistry with his scripted brother. I, yeah, I, I hadn't really heard of that before, but I guess it's a thing. On Max and Logan, I don't have much to say here. Obviously, Max and Logan love each other, but I felt like the... Mooney, tortured looks became overkill. We get it. You can't touch. I personally wasn't feeling the chemistry, especially when Max and Alec scenes became much more fun to watch than Max and Logan scenes. I get why there are ML fans, 
they had such a great thing going in season one, apart from risking Max's life all the time for eyes only. Logan's a stand-up guy, and there's a lot of loyalty to be had there. And then finally on gossip. There's tons of gossip about behind-the-scenes drama indirectly concerning Max and Logan and Max and Asha. But I don't know how to go into it without giving minor spoilers. Wayne seems particularly averse to spoilers, though I think that's me. So I'll hold off for now. That's me for sure. But if you guys are interested in it, it is pretty juicy. Let me know, and I'll write something up to send over later. We do want to hear that for sure, but not yet. Yeah. Some of it's more credible than others. I had to really dig deep in the Internet Archive to get a better idea of whether or not it's true. I could probably go on, but I'm already risking you not reading the whole email because it's so long, so I won't. Oh, no. Every paragraph was awesome. Yeah. Thanks again for doing this podcast. I'm so happy someone's talking about Dark Angel. Keep up the good work. Sincerely, Kirsten. And, you know, for everybody that that listens and and takes the time to send us a tweet, write us an email, we really appreciate it. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, I'm still kind of amazed that there's people listening, let alone that – that take time of their life to give us feedback like this. So it's awesome. Thank you very much. All of you, everyone who, uh, who responded and, and wrote in, keep it coming. Yeah. Because, you know, I know how much it takes to do that. And look, obviously we've said many times we're English teachers. So writing is what we do. Judging writing is what we do. And there've been many times when I've tried to put together an email to send to a podcast that I listen to. And, nine times out of 10, probably 99 times out of 100, I just get frustrated. I can't say what I want to say, and I end up not sending it. So, you know, again, really appreciate it because we know it takes time. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, well, let's get into the episode proper, Dark Angel, Season 2, Episode 13, Harbor Lights, written by Robert Doherty, who also wrote Episode 207, Some Assembly Required, which Kirsten referenced in the email, directed by Kenneth Biller, who wrote the X-Files episode Eve, which you probably don't know because you have made it clear that you had a social life at that time and, <laughs> and went out on Friday nights. But Eve was an awesome episode in season one that, that dealt with cloning. And Eve, you know, these little girls that all looked identical and they, they had some social issues. We'll just say it at that. But he also directed 35 episodes of Star Trek Voyager. And this one aired February 8th, 2002. So, you know, as we embark on this episode, one of the things that immediately comes to mind is that saying no good deed goes unpunished. Absolutely. Tries to save the little boy, but no. Yeah. So, you know, I just always have a problem of this. I mean, this is a very cliche scene, right? Where you have like, you know, there's a guy randomly shooting off a gun. There's a mother with her little kid. The mother, of course, gets separated from her kid. How that happens, I don't know. And the kid just stands there stupidly looking at the gun like, hmm, that's interesting. A man is shooting a gun. I think I'll just stand here in the middle of the road and stare at him until some heroic person comes and gets in the way and gets shot. You know, you just like you knew what was going to happen before the scene even started. Well, yeah, and the other thing I found interesting was later in the episode, though, and and I believe she's talking to Logan about it, where where she says that she lost sight of the shooter, apologizing almost for getting shot or or, or perhaps being frustrated, mad at herself because her training should have enabled her to avoid getting shot. But in all the confusion, 
She just lost. Now, is she just out of practice? I don't know. She's had a lot of practice uh, in these two seasons, but either way. Right. I, I think she might be slightly off her game early on. I think all this thing that's happening with uh, Logan has got her pretty upset. I mean, she's not going into work. Um, and, you know, then, of course, she has to stand in line waiting for gas and everything, and people are rude in line. The biker guy cuts in front of the, Actually, yeah, I think about it. The guy starts shooting up the place, cut in front of the lady and her kid in the first place. Yeah, and basically real... tells her, you snooze, you lose. Yeah. So she could have been just, just a little bit, not in a great place right now in her life, and maybe not on 100% on her game like she should be. Yeah. Well, obviously, there's been a separation. They have not seen each other for you know quite a while, it seems. Right, they, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a long time, but it certainly feels like it because you know, we just see multiple scenes of them not answering each other's call, right? Well, she even says, geez, if I knew all I had to do was get shot to see you, I'd have done that long ago. But then it's the question, who initiated the separation, Max or Logan? Yeah, Logan seems to be the one who's more aggressively ignoring the phone, it seems. That's what I thought. Yeah. And is he giving up on the relationship? You know, it's interesting because she seems to be the one that always walks away as soon as something happens. Oh, I handed him a glass. I've got to leave. But it certainly seems, as you said, you know, when he kind of is reluctant to answer the phone, even knowing it might be her, that maybe it's him. Well, but she's the one who's like, oh, let's, I want to dance. I want to have dinner and everything, you know, like, you know. This could be just some plain old male sexual frustration going on there. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the other things that, that comes up in this episode, and, and I know we've mentioned it before, and I think it was even me that, that felt like the news about Manticore, the news about barcodes, was a lot more common knowledge than apparently turns out to be because the hospital nurse notes Max's barcode, but there's no Manticore recognition. Right. And then the CDC doctor mentions rumors he's heard about the project. And, of course, Sam passes it off as nonsense. So, you know, maybe it's not as widespread as I guess I yeah, thought. Yeah, but the, the doctor, the rumors they heard were, like, dead on, though, right? Well, they were, but then again, he's got the copy of the, uh, you know, the tabloid newspaper with, um, you know, yeah, basically monsters and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, no question. Uh, now, we've asked repeatedly what happened to Lydecker what happened to White we get White back yeah I want Lydecker you know White is such a dick <laughs> yeah he really is is he was about to say that same thing well but you know I mean Lydecker in, in a way yeah he was better because he's a more complex adversary right we didn't completely hate him right uh, there were, we saw that he had a lot of layers to him uh, with white, we really aren't seeing the layers. Well, but you know, on the other hand, there is a certain complexity. You know, what does he really want from Max? I mean, at first we thought, and he even verbalizes it, that you know we've been tasked to you know clean up this secret government project and all of that. But then you know, at the end, when those two cops have their guns on her, he shoots them. Yeah, which is you curious know. because I think he's going to kill her anyway like i think all that stuff he says about escaping with her is bs okay uh, and that clearly he, you know, he throws away the one gun he's got the other gun ready to go right um that he wants to kill her but i guess maybe he just wants to do the job make sure it gets done right you know yeah. i don't know 
Yeah, I guess. But then on the other hand, he is similar to her. I mean, he is, you know, this this engineered superhuman, right? Yeah, but he's you know engineered the old fashioned way. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and we speaking of that, we do get some inside uh, information that we didn't have before. Apparently, they have a code phrase. Right. And our, they have a ladies auxiliary, too. Exactly. From our ancestors, for our children's children, from my father before me, for my sons. And, and yeah. you know, the, the, the little code, which, which was kind of cool. But either way, there's somebody that he calls for help, which we yeah, don't really know who. Yeah, yeah, we don't know who it is. The mention is also made of a familiar, right? So, what is a familiar? No, that's, we don't. That's the ladies auxiliary I was talking about. Okay, all right. That's like the uh, I don't know. I can't think of any other comparisons. But you know, like the like the yeah, like the the Moose Lodge, right? Or the uh, American Legion, and and then the, don't don't they have like a women's kind of group that's similar? I don't know. I don't know either. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, the other, I, I, I think, really cool twist to this episode. Like the Doors of the American Revolution, I'm kind of thinking. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah, like, well, aren't they like a sister group of like the American Legion or something like that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> but I love how they brought the CDC into it, you know, yeah. with, with this virus that, that, you know, obviously Max has in her. And now we've got to wonder what the CDC is going to do now that it has Max's DNA test results. And we kind of get an inkling at, at the very end of the episode, which it visually was just a stunning shot, I thought. So, yeah, it, well, DC has, you know, all kinds of like that's classic DC shot there, right? Well, classic DC shot and, and classic X Files shot. I mean, really, right. I, I mean, I hate to bring the other show, but then again, director well, Kenneth yeah, you've Biller. Done it twice already. So. Well, the director did do an X Files <laughs> episode, so I don't know what other connection he has but but it was just an awesome scene so you know we'll talk about that in in a few minutes clearly dc is involved so what kind of danger is max going to encounter next and and how deep was manticore so yeah yeah. and her like prediction that we can't go on being lucky forever i mean she might really be right here because you know now they got the american government coming down on this right yeah yeah um and, you know, you, you kind of speculated a minute or so ago about White's motivations and what he truly wants to do regarding Max. And I'm wondering, does he feel he's in just as much danger as Max is now? And then where the hell is Lydecker? I, that's what I'm saying. Where is he? This would be a perfect episode for him to just step in and like, you know, like for him to show up in that helicopter instead of Logan at the end there, you know? Yeah. That'd be uh, cool. I, I did like the way Logan had to grab the guy by the collar. It's an emergency. Let's, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and then the significance of the title, uh, you know, we, we mentioned Harbor Lights in relation to the Baltimore area earlier. Uh, obviously, it's the name of the hospital that Max is being treated in. But outside of that, you know, I'm not sure White's hitting golf balls into a harbor, I guess. Uh, the CDC doctor turns over Max's records to DC. I mean, that's not really a harbor, but uh, so I got two two minds. This one, there is a Harbor Lights restaurant in Tacoma, Washington, that has uh, it says for over fifty years, Harbor Lights has become well known for serving colossal portions of seafood, such as the four pound bucket of steamed clams. So, someone might have actually gone to Harbor Lights restaurant 
and gotten the four pound bucket of clams and said, this place is awesome. And then wrote the, it in. Okay. Or, uh, yeah, like Harbor lights, like the lights in a Harbor, you think are like, like safety things, right? Exactly. Of course. And that's what a Harbor is a safe haven for the ships. Right. And to help guide ships in and everything like that. So I'm not sure how that necessarily applies to this, by the way, you're welcome. Harbor lights restaurant for the plug. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure exactly how it ties in with this because it doesn't seem like there. If anything, at the end of this, um, the the peril has increased way more rather than the safety. Right? We, no we've question. Seen just tons of peril and peril and peril, um, and very little in the way of safety. And certainly, Max doesn't feel safe now, and doesn't feel like Seattle's a safe harbor for her at all. All right, and and of course, she has no idea the level to which this information has reached. Right. As the CDC guy is sitting right. on the park bench in D.C., clearly this guy is very high up the food chain. But she, so, she feels like I mean, she has that sense that that the kind of the cat is pretty much out of the bag at this point. Right. Know? Right. Sure. Because because the CDC has her stuff now. She knows they do. So, um, you know, she's really got to feel like, man, they could go anywhere with this. And right. that's what they do. Well, the opening scene we established, like we said, Max and Logan have stayed apart after the 12-hour window closed shut, viruses return. We don't know which is really responsible for the separation. And Max tells Cindy that she's calling in sick, going for a ride to clear her head. And, and you know, one of the things that struck me on the rewatch is we don't see it much, but I just love the Max-Cindy dynamic. And what I love about it, I think more than anything, is the fact that Cindy takes care of her right you know you know it's like she tells whether it's logan alec asha you know you leave my girl alone and she's taking care of max and max lets her i I just love that yeah Uh, it's it's a great relationship we don't see it very much no but uh yeah it's definitely notable here how much uh cindy's taking care of her and very protective of her uh, so much so she almost wants like Logan to stay away. Like yeah. even after Logan saves her, right? She's still it, giving them shit. It, exactly. And and just there at the very end when when Max asks Cindy if there's any more of that chicken soup. Yeah. You know, just yeah. awesome. Uh, and then you mentioned Max is waiting in line to buy gas. And of course, that's when she gets shot by the stray bullet trying to save that innocent bystanding child whose mother was probably on her cell phone or doing something. <laughs> <laughs> right texting um yeah all right so like now when gun the- goes off <laughs> grab kid hit the ground right yeah, exactly so all right we're now in the hospital which by the way looks like it's in a war zone and, and yeah I'm, I'm i assume- mean this is like this is probably the most cyberpunkish episode we've had in like a long time yeah well i'm assuming latex paint no longer exists yeah, probably not. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not very expensive now. I don't yeah. know what it was like then. But, but yeah, uh, I mean, the hospital was rough looking, you know, even before the CDC arrived and started putting plastic up all over the place, you know. Right. And then when Sam, played by Brian Markinson, Markinson. yeah, the doctor that he knows that he's got the contact with makes, you know, a, a reference to the fact that he works in a nicer hospital. Right. And I think we've been there before. And while it's like cer- that Seattle Grace with all this, you know. Well, it's certainly nicer than this one Grace's was. Anatomy people, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, but the hospital calls Logan, who tells them Max's name is Linda Eastman and that he's her husband. And then, of course, calls Sam to get him involved to help. Okay, you know that name there, right? I, I do. I'll let you say it. Okay, that was uh, one Linda McCartney's maiden name. 
Exactly. Definitely purposefully picked. Eastman Kodak. Yep. Uh, All right. So even though Sam retrieves Max's blood sample before it gets tested, the tech screws up giving him Eastwood instead of Eastman. And now the hospital's getting CDC involved because it appears similar to a virus that ran through L.A. previously. And we have to wonder whether that virus was at all related to Manticore. Maybe not. I don't know. I hadn't thought of that before. Uh, well, I, I, mean, I, I guess I kind of suspect almost everything goofy with this show, anything out of the ordinary, does come from Manticore, you know? So if I had to guess, I would say, yeah, Manticore probably totally did this. Yeah. I mean, why would you think that they didn't? Exactly. Yeah. They, uh, they had well, absolutely no, it seems like they put no kind of parameters on stuff that they were going to try and stuff that they would try to come up with, right? Like, it's like if you can think it, go for it, right? We can do it. We can do it. Uh, So White's men intercept the call to the CDC and alert him as he's driving golf balls into the harbor. And did you notice his last shot after he got the call? I don't think I did. Oh, he whacked it like about 150 yards past the farthest marker. Oh. I mean, he just nailed that last shot. Muscled it up. Wow, he was happy, man. (laughs) All right, so uh, the CDC sets up the biohazard containment in Max's room and of course, we're wondering at that point now, how long is Max going to really put up with this? And I, I know for me, I just kept assuming she would just say, the hell with this, I'm out of here. And of course, she does try it a couple of times, but that just indicates how clearly weakened she has become because of the gunshot wound. Right. And you know what else? When I saw those people in the suits like that, it brought back fond memories of season one of Helix. Oh, okay. Which I know you didn't watch. But I didn't watch. I season, saw the first episode. Yeah, which I really liked. I didn't mind season two so much. I can see why it got canceled. But season one was 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 really cool. Yeah, a little too but, much blood spewage for me in that one. Yeah, well, you know, you got to do that. Of course, I say that, and then I'm a big fan of The Expanse so far. I don't. I know you haven't watched it yet, but no, I've been is... watching Expanse. Oh, okay. Did yeah. you did you see when the uh, one crew member died? Yes. Okay, that was pretty awesome yeah, especially after they they after they returned the pressure to the cabin that what happened well uh, okay. I, I, don't, I don't i don't want to spoil it for anybody that's okay. especially those of you that are into gross stuff was it last episode yeah i have to go back and rewatch that. okay well anyway so white shows up and <laughs> he's going through his briefcase trying to figure out which id to use cia nah I don't know if there was an NSA. There was a, at least three. He chooses the FBI and then tries to bully his way past the CDC doctor in charge. And you had to love it. White gets put in his place by a CDC doctor. Yeah. Now, granted, he had some help from the uh, media TV crew that showed up. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, when you think, like, who trumps whom, you know, like in, you know, government penis swinging action here, you know, like... Uh, who's going to win out? CDC in a crisis, you think, would have you know some kind of seniority or whatever over the FBI. You know, you think they would be the ones in charge, but uh, and that's what happens here, basically. Well, and I think White even predicts that's going to happen when he's talking to his second in command. I think he says it's going to become a pissing match, so he knows right away that CDC yeah, should be in control. He should pick the CIA ID then, right? Well, you think? I don't know. That might have a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more oh, sorry people who are in the fbi i'm not yeah. suggesting anything i'm just saying you know yeah we are once again treated to logan's mad computer skills as he hacks into the cell phone network and 
overhears the conversation where White orders his man to terminate her before she does. And, and of course, he assumes they're referring to Max, and he's, of course, correct in that. Right. I now, just love how Logan is able to eavesdrop on the whole nefarious plan there. You know? he, yeah, that uh, they don't have a better system in place, but yeah. the is what it is all right so the cdc doctor tells max that she has perfect dna and of course we're thinking like well okay but that yeah but then he brings up the whole idea of junk dna taking up space and i think we and again we watch so many of these kinds of shows i forget where i've heard this before whether it's dark angel or perhaps orphan black with with the whole idea and that's pretty bad that i get most of my science education from television (laughs) but that the that no that that her DNA is too perfect and it intrigues him enough to take her to Atlanta, even though he knows she's not contagious any longer. And And see, if you watch the walking dead, then you know, that's where the CDC is. Oh, I do. In fact, I went to uh, Boscov's with uh, my wife (laughs) over the weekend and there was a, uh, a minivan out there, CDC zombie containment unit. No way. Oh, yeah. And it had all, you know, like very official looking signatures on the side, the back and the front. I loved it. And it it actually even had the bloody handprint on one of the windows. Cool. Yeah, that was very cool. I thought (laughs) even I'm not a zombie fan. I had to appreciate that. (laughs) Well, we know there's no way she's going to Atlanta. Yeah. And and again, you know, even that. Did you read Stephen King's The Stand? Um. No, but I think I saw the TV show. The, the miniseries. Yeah, with yeah. Sinise, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, obviously Atlanta and the CDC is a big part of that as well. He tells her it's about the FBI, the doctor that is, but we don't know whether or not Max assumes that White's in play here. We don't know, you know what she knows at this point. Logan's tapped into the local communication over here's White's call for help, and that's when we hear you know their little code words and all of that. Over here is White call a nurse on the inside and instruct her to kill Max. Okay. What would you think about the way Logan got Max the message? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, it definitely kind of pushes that um, level of disbelief, you know, that willing suspension of disbelief. I mean, it makes it you really have to be willing, like in this case. But uh, it was still kind of cool, though, I guess. I, you I, I, and it. you know what? Right. I, I guess like A – for creativity right and i'll go with the suspension of disbelief on that one he sends the morse code through max's monitor in her hospital room and she stops the nurse before she administers the lethal dose but obviously max has met her match and and even had max not had the gunshot wound it would have been an interesting fight so the fact that max held her own despite that because she says let me guess you're one of white's breeding club psychos (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I thought, you know, I'd forgotten about, like, the whole superhuman thing with uh, White's little group here. Um, so I thought, you know, man, this lady thinks she's just going to go up there and and stab Max, but that ain't going to happen. Max is going to, you know, beat her down. Uh, but then it was, like, a really good fight. And you're like, oh, I forgot. And, you know, like, she throws a bed and everything. You're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Well, right. I mean, I hadn't forgotten about White and his Superman abilities, but I certainly didn't expect this nurse. Right. I guess that's what I meant. I right. didn't realize it was going to transfer over to right. the uh, the sisterhood here. Right. But Max sends her out the window, and I don't know how many floors up they were, but it appeared she was dead, but nope. not quite. Nope. <laughs> 
prompting White to go into Superman action. He scales the wall to go after Max, and and Max hides in the morgue, calls Logan, who tells her to get to the roof as fast as she can. And and we're thinking at that point, okay, I'm not sure what Logan's play is going to be, but then, of course, he goes to the TV camera van, and and, uh, I guess he knows the guy that flies the helicopter. Right? I mean, that's... I I was a little confused as to how that happened because yeah, he I, showed up with something and showed the dude in the van and then. Well, I think he says something that he's friends with. He gives the guy the name and then I'm assuming it must have been the pilot of right. the of the. Yeah. Okay. I thought. Yeah. But did he say like I want a a, a, a autograph? Did, was that was he asked for an autograph? Uh, I don't think so. I can't. Remember. I, I can't know. remember. I was either. just confused. I was just like whatever. Okay. Some, <laughs> I just like Logan's got something cooking, and we'll see what it is in a little bit. Yep. So Max is about to go through the door to the roof when two cops stop her, and then suddenly White shoots both of them. Tells her he's on her side. I killed them to protect us, and I'm thinking like, what? And do you have any idea what would happen if the CDC discovered what you really are? Yeah, I think she kind of does. Yeah, she definitely. I mean, she was in Manticore for crying out loud. So, yeah. Right. She, but but then he goes, you know, he continues on. You know, I'm not going to hurt you. The enemy of my enemy is my friend and all yeah. of that. And I, I almost start to believe him. You know, I, I don't. I just can't. I just don't. And I don't think Max does. And But, I mean, I get that. I get that. But I'm like... Even though, yes, you want to get, you don't want the CDC to get Max. That doesn't mean you want her to live, though. Those two are not the same thing. Well, what a weird twist that would be. I mean, look, as you said tonight, White's project, they have have bred the old-fashioned way, right? Yep. Well, why would you kill a perfect specimen like Max? Why would you not necessarily introduce her into the pool? Well, because of like what the nurse said, you know, like called her like what transgenic filth or something like that, right? Well, okay, but is she perhaps jealous of Max? I mean, you know, that, no, that at I think this point, racist. okay, and it could be, but but I guess I started thinking that okay, well, maybe this woman is is intimidated, you know, maybe this woman, hey, I was number one, and now you're taking my place, you know, like, like out of Dollhouse, remember? Gosh, and I, I forget Amy Acker's. character's name in dollhouse but oh yeah uh oh man but she but she was number one until alpha scarred her all right so they're fighting on the roof white's about to shoot max but she takes out his knee i i guess that's what she did right whiskey yeah there you go yeah good call this internet is pretty good thing oh there you go uh you know i i think i've told you this before my mom will call me and and i love it that we've gotten to this point because i'm the i'm the bad son that that never goes to uh florida to visit but she calls me all the time to help her with crossword puzzles Uh and she'll read me the clue and you know five seconds later i give her the answer and after a while she goes god you're really smart yeah, oh, like, I, I sure am, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I finally fessed up. Uh, you just take it that parental uh, approval any way you can, though. Uh, I, know, I get I that. Know, I know. So, uh, <laughs> so there. You know. So I'm assuming that's what happened, right? That that he kind of looked around and then she just took out his knee because uh, yeah, because, right? Because the uh, the helicopter came overhead, and so of course instead of killing her, he has to look up at the helicopter, and then uh, and then she 
just crunches his ah. I just no yeah, I don't like white, but I just hate seeing that knee crunch, man. That's just ah. Well, yeah, and then and then of course I half expected him because of how he's been bred to just kind of get up, you know, right. Ru- you know, rub his knee and then go on. But no, he has to crawl for the gun. But what's really interesting as, you know, all of this is happening and Logan's reaching his hand down, you know, take my hand, jump. And we realize she doesn't want to take his hand because of the virus. Right. And she doesn't. She grabs his sleeve. Well, right. And and was he wearing a glove? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because he knows she's not going to, you know, like if he didn't have anything on his hand, there's no way she's going to take his hand. Right. I don't know if he thought that he'd actually have to save her, save her like that. He probably thought, I'll just land on the roof and she'll walk into the the helicopter and get in. So, um, but yeah, he was wearing a glove. And then, of course, as they're flying away, she gets in the helicopter, he's firing at them, and I guess he hits the helicopter a couple of times. But uh, at that point, he's not making any contact with any of our. Uh, main characters so yeah so it's like they build up this tension of him crawling for the gun and then he gets it and just ineffectively shoots and nothing you know like i thought they were going to build this whole thing up because someone was actually going to get hit well well it would have been nice if logan got hit Uh, (laughs) i mean we don't want max to get hit again and we don't want just a random shot too already so well well, you know and i was thinking about that how they really handled that not that they couldn't have had him in a wheelchair for the entire series, but obviously it, it creates a certain amount of limitation in, well, in the way yeah, they we st- talked about that. Before. Right, right, and, and it just occurred to me tonight that that you know that was a that was a good way to handle it, but uh, eh, he still could have taken a bullet for the team. That would have been yeah. okay. Right. <laughs> Speaking of the team, we we then get back. I know you saved my girl and all, but couldn't you have brought her back in better condition? <laughs> yeah, like I said, still giving them crap, even though he saved her life. You know. Yeah. Both Logan and Max have smiles on their face. So why does Logan want to get out just as Max is settled in? And now it's like the role reversals where she's always running away, which still leads me to think that he's the one that's, you know, created this this uh, vacuum between but I, them. I think it's just with both of them, it's still like awkward, you know, like she says, thanks for, you know, and it's just like, yeah, it's just like, you know. Well, I guess. But I mean, she seems kind of happy, you know, she's just had the crap beaten out of her she was shot and all that he seems disturbed by all of it and, and it's like okay you just saved your girl didn't you both just admit you loved each other and and uh, obviously though we know that the cdc has max's test results she right. knows the cdc has them uh we assume he she's told him but of course neither of them knows to the level it's it's gone yeah but but again she knows that it's, it's probably going somewhere. Well, right. Yeah. And as you said earlier, she says, I can't hide forever. Sooner or later, we're going to run out of luck. Yeah. And, and of course, we know that's, well, it's likely to be true. It's And we don't have all that many episodes. I forget whether there's 21 or 22 in season two. And, and obviously, this is 13. So we don't have all that right. much more story that we're going to be given. But they didn't know that when they were writing it, though, right? Well, probably. that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, so so we get to the closing scene. Uh, there's a meeting on a park bench late at night, a la X-Files, and the CDC doctor turns over Max's record 
to another man in black that we haven't seen before. At least I don't recall seeing him. Uh, I don't recall seeing him either. And then the camera pans up and we see the Washington Monument, Lincoln Memorial, and the, I guess that's the Capitol building in the background, uh, the, that night scene that, 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 again, we've seen on the X-Files many times. Sure. Uh, and it, it, it was just really eerie. And uh, just what a great way to end the episode. And I guess we're done with the Space Needle closing scenes. Uh, man, I really miss them too, Dave. No, you don't. I'm really upset. I really miss those voiceover needle scenes. I see now you sound like a politician. Darn, darn like, it all. I know a lie when I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I really like this episode. Um, a minus for me. Yeah, it's great. I'm just going to give it a straight up A. I yeah. liked it. You yeah, know, it was good. Again, one of those ones, I, I, I'd say w- one of my personal ways of determining an episode was engaging uh, was that when it's over, you're like, really? Yeah. Wow. You know, uh, just they moved, you know, like really effectively from once they kept the action going and, uh, you know, still like some personal stuff and a little bit for the shippers too out there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, for me, even on the rewatch, I, I it was over before I knew it. Yeah. And knew it was going to happen. So uh, yeah. the only thing about it is Alec, isn't it, though? That's the only yeah. Negative. How about that? Uh, yeah. So. Again, you know, if if we go by past history, Alec and Asha will be in the next one. Right. Hopefully. For Kirsten's sake, they won't be together. (laughs) Right. But we shall see. So anything else you want to add on this one? Well, so there's just the one line that, you know, with um, with Dr. Carr talking and and Dr. George is saying all the his, you know, what he had heard about Manticore. And Dr. Carr says, with all respect, Doctor, I think you've seen one too many science fiction movies. And I just remember thinking, that is just not possible. He's maybe been in one too many science fiction. <laughs> yeah, it's not possible to watch one too many. You know, like, no, that's not a thing. So I, I agree. Anyway. So. All right. And, and one other thing. So, so, uh, so White sits out in the car this whole time, right? He tries to get into the front, can't. Sits out in the car. And then finally he just jumps up on the roof and climbs up. Like, why did he do that first? Yeah. Good point. Right. Yeah. It's like, seriously, you could have done that the whole time, but no, I mean, I, I, I get it. Like as from a writing standpoint, but like, I guess this is my nitpick, my really, really right. Well, like, well, I guess maybe one thing that comes to mind, you wonder how much the guys he's working with know about him and the breeding program. Are they privy to that information or, are they part of you know whatever government agency he's working for that's been tasked to clean up what's left of Manticore? But I don't know if he is in the government agency. That's the thing. I think this thing, this breeding program or whatever it is, is its own thing. I mean, it's been around forever, right? Well, I agree, but but why is he going after Max, right? I, I assume, as he even says, he's been tasked to do that. Or is that just a lie? Right, well, or he... I, I, he might have been tasked by I don't know he's with something shadowy we don't know what it is right you see I mean I think there are maybe two different organizations at play here you know the, the right. one that he's involved with the breeding program and then whoever he's working for to clean up what's left of Manticore right and I kind of think that it's just one thing okay. those two things are just one thing okay that the organization and the breeding program are the same thing all right 
So, so we'll we see. Have, we have, have one question. Where the hell is Lydecker? Where is Lydecker? Come on, man. All right. Well, listen, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear from you about Dark Angel, Firefly, anything else you think we should be watching. We'll, we'd also like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week when we discuss Dark Angel episode 14 of season two titled Love in Vain. And that's vain with an E. But until then. So this is a really weird story, Dave. So yeah, a couple months ago, I was on this hunting trip, right? And despite I had like my bright orange, you know, vest on and everything, but someone still shot me right in the butt, man. Like, you know, like some joker somewhere just firing off his gun. Well, I go down screaming. It hurt like hell. And who... Like, Michael Weatherly shows up. Michael Weatherly was like, I don't know if Weatherly was the one who popped me or what, but Michael Weatherly there. It was crazy. I just looked up and I said, if this is what it takes to get a visit from Logan Kale, I've got my ass shut up long ago. <laughs>